to Podvant Guard. I'm your host, Andrea Gazetta. I'm Katrina Davis. I'm Jordan Lee Williams. And today we're going to be talking about Bob Ross. Yay. Yay. This, this uh, seems like the most genuine place for a yay because it's Bob Ross. <laughs> oh, man. Well, look, I'm not going to destroy Great. Look, I don't want to fully destroy everything you love, but like it gets dark. Um, I know. I'm so sad. I told Keith, I was like, can you put another pot of coffee on? We're talking about Bob Ross and it's an Andrea episode, so I don't know I'm going <laughs> to like him after. I um, I haven't watched the documentary yet. I haven't so I'm either. Excited. I'm like going in pretty blind other than the fact that I feel like no adult could no adult could be all of what you see on TV and not have something else. So absolutely I'm I, prepared. I would say that like Bob Ross is a complicated person and I there's definitely lights and darks to him. And so I want to talk about all of it, but I do think that there are still some really positive takeaways from who he was. Um, and we'll talk about all of that stuff. But before I get into the episode, I'm going to read some five-star reviews from you guys. Oh, which I am very excited about this. Yeah. So I'll uh, read a couple. This first one from Insala says, checks all my boxes. This show is everything I want in a pod. Female perspective, women of color, history, art, and more, double exclamation point. I loved hearing Andrea on Cole podcast, and I'm super stoked to both hear from her again and also to meet two new amazing women. It's pretty cool that they have taken the art world, which is a visual medium that can be super gatekept, and put it into a very accessible podcast. I love it. Five stars isn't enough. And we love you. Will you be our Valentine? Aww. That's so nice. <laughs> and uh, Jordan, in how honor... long have you been waiting to bust that gem out? It's Since pretty cute. Last week when Andrea said this was coming out of Valentine's <laughs> Day. Hilarious. Well, in honor it. of Valentine's Paid Day, off. I'm also going to read a second five-star review. This one's by Dracaras, and the title is Baldo, and the review just says Baldo. So... <laughs> Thanks what is from voice fans. It's from oh. This Is Not a Show. <laughs> oh, thanks okay. to This Is Not a Show fans. Uh, for oh, that's this sweet. I was like, wait a dark minute. Descent. Is that like a misspelling of someone that's in love with the Disney movie Balto? Like, <laughs> incredible. Incredible. Actually, since we're thanking people, uh, I would like to thank Rob Sires. He's Gumball Head the Cat on Instagram oh, yeah. and socials. Yeah. Uh, he's just like constantly supportive and his art is really cool and he's yeah, just he's really nice. nice. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Gumball, Thanks, Gumball Head. Uh, yeah, so those are a couple of our five star reviews. We'll uh, probably start reading them at the beginning of episodes from now. So, if you have a five star review for us, uh, do it. Do do it. Do it on iTunes because then it counts for things. So we love you. Thank you. Um, and if you don't know what a baldo is, don't Google it. It's a sex thing. It's Yeah, don't <laughs> Google it. It's upsetting. Oh, is it a sex art thing? 
No. It could be considered <laughs> sculptural. Jordan, that was the best no ever. That was such a telling cautionary. No, no, it well, is. Well, as someone who has one in their house, no. Yeah, oh. I, think, I would argue it could be considered a sculptural object. A sculptural I think object. that it's going to pop someone's ball, but that's my take on the ball, though. Yeah, it's weird. Um. Anyway, so Bob Ross, you guys. If you uh, Google Baldo, a cartoon movie called Baldo the Guardian Owl comes up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just saying I wasn't that off. That's so wrong. What? Oh, my God. I, don't, I feel weird about it. Look, I, I mean, obviously this is partially my algorithm, but it's literally just like Baldo game release date, Baldo video game, <laughs> Baldo walkthrough. I don't know what that even means. They're <laughs> all about the guardian owl. I'm so sorry. I can't learn right this now, You're going to have to send me a picture. Jordan's upset because she's waiting for me to find the fun kind. And this is all just a it's cartoon. It's not fun. That's I, One's I don't a hiking shoe. I can't find the sex thing. Where's the sex thing? Is Jordan gonna, gonna go to a drawer and just grab it for I us? Actually, like, well, I no, I, I just no, no, no. I just googled, googled Baldo sex thing. I don't know where it is in the house. Is the problem? It's like a constant. It is just. It's the albatross That's around my neck. Crazy. It's Wait so a minute. Weird. This sounds. <laughs> what this sounds like something that they would use to fucking like the running man or something this is crazy <laughs> what i mean i'm gonna learn more about this later but i'm very intrigued <laughs> yeah i will uh at the break i will see if keith can find the box because we like i said we have one it's it's in the apartment haunting <laughs> The only picture that comes up with another person in it is a man with a very, very skeptical furrowed brow. <laughs> like, oh, looking yeah. to the side, like, I don't know about this. <laughs> no, even the promotional images on their website look very, uh, like, oh, they have some kind of, like, email chain that people aren't supposed to see of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Like, and those are the selects, Jordan. <laughs> Those are the ones that were like, yeah, you need oh, to put God. these on the site. Oh, it man, just reminds sorry. me of some type of medieval torture device or like. <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's like so the male version of the, the pear. Yeah, it's like, why are we? Do we need to? That's fine. That's fine. Uh, but anyway, so about <laughs> but America's sweetheart, Bob Ross. <laughs> um. <sighs> Let's let's get into the episode, Enough guys. Enough about bug plugs. Let's talk about Bob Ross. Yeah, so it'd be Rob less weird if the Baldo was a butt plug, though. I'm sorry, Andre. You opened this can of worms, and now you get to watch it happen. Here's the thing: this is not a show fans who are now listening to our podcast. Thank you, and you're welcome for this tangent. <laughs> yeah, no, this is like a crossover episode. I would argue that in some respects, sex toys can be art objects. Again, because of all of the sculpted quote unquote cucumbers from ancient times. <laughs> I would argue that a lot of like this thing and other sex toys do have 
cleaner lines that I like looking at in a more sexual way than some of Anish Kapoor sculptures. So yeah, I will yeah, agree with like, that. That's fair. Absolutely. Line wise, I'm into it. They're kind of like sexy kuntzes sometimes. They're just Absolutely. like smooth and like sex wise, they seem like they'd be a little cold. But other than that, they look pretty awesome sometimes. Some of them are clear and full, full of glitter, which I enjoy. Yeah. Fun. I just want to say that this tangent wouldn't have been so long if Jordan didn't know so much about sex toys and I (laughs) knew so little. That's really what you're listening to right now. That's why I'm so sorry that I made this so long with learning. Like, I don't know what's happening. It's a whole new world. Don't you dare open your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. Although before we get into Bob Ross, have you guys seen the video? There's a comedian who followed a Bob Ross uh, episode without watching it. So he was just listening. Okay. No. Oh, it's. No, I did not see this, but I'm I'm following what you're saying. What? Okay. It's incredible because when uh, Bob Ross does the, where he hits the easel with the paintbrush. Yeah. Yeah, and he just goes, I just got to beat the devil out of it. And he's just, and this kid's eyes get this big, and he's like, what is he doing? That's so funny. (laughs) But also, before I, you saying that made me realize that Bob Ross um, could make great sleep tapes. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's like, oh, yeah, he's almost we'll get into it. But like people today, there are like whole ASMR channels that are just Bob Ross. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But uh, something. So I do want to say that one of the reasons that I even got turned on to this before the Bob Ross documentary came out is comedian Jessica Michelle Singleton had me on an episode of it was a Blick Presents YouTube show called Slob Ross where we got wasted drunk and oh, tried to yeah. follow along with the Bob Ross fame. But also that sounds fucking this. awesome. It was really fun. Why did they I ever stop time. making that show? I think it was honestly an issue. Like Blick sent them all of the art materials to do it and sponsored them. Yeah. But I think it was just an issue where it was like, do we want our brand associated with this much drunkenness? Like that's amazing though. I've never been so drunk. I can't remember things except for twice. And one of those times was this show where like after the art theme show where you got Bob Ross level blackout. Yeah. Like I got so drunk, like her roommate, like she was too drunk. She went to bed. Her roommate took me out to get a taco. Cause I was like, I need a snack. <laughs> That's very so funny. it was like that uh anyways so bob ross robert norman ross aka bob ross aka zaddy ross was born on october 24th 1942 in daytona beach florida to parents jack ross a carpenter and ollie ross a waitress so he really was jesus no october son of not a carpenter December. Oh yeah, I mean, kind of. <laughs> uh, it, and his, I'm just glad like, he's repping Daytona. <laughs> oh hell yeah, Florida! What's up? It's he, like we got Bob Ross and the 500. Let's go. <laughs> 
He definitely is serving Jesus vibes because as a young boy, he rescued and rehabbed injured animals, including armadillos, snakes, alligators, and squirrels, a practice that would continue throughout his life. Very tender. Jordan's going to start crying. (laughs) Already? Already. I know. That's going to be a game we can play how long we get into the record. It's it's uh, less than 15 minutes for anyone that's listening. Unedited, less than 15 minutes. Jordan may or may not cry. Okay. You know what? Here's the thing. I want to push those tears to the forefront before we even really get into the episode. So I'm going to show you guys this video real quick. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm PMSing, oh, she's and yesterday, Jordan, I she know. said one sentence about animals. I know. No, yesterday I, I looked know. at Keith and <laughs> burst into tears, and he was like, oh. "What the fuck is happening?" And I was like, "I don't know." Aww, oh, Jordan, I put a uh, Animal Planet on, and I almost <laughs> cried because I thought a baby wildebeest was gonna get eaten by. A, a, a leopard or whatever and yep. I like started so- like I just started crying and he made it it was fine but like yeah that's how you also, know it's I coming. love that you had to give the follow up also he made it Um, no I once was tripping with roommates and f- we were watching like a documentary of animals and my roommate wanted to turn it off when one of the babies was about to get hunted and I made her watch it because I refused to let her like create a reality that didn't accept everything because she made us put it on and she was like, I just want to watch this. And I was like, this is dumb. And then it finally got cool. And she was like, Oh my God, turn it off. And I was like, no, accept the truth. And I, Jesus Katrina. I was tripping. Sorry. That's the that's the most intense shit I have ever heard. Is you're like, no, this is what you wanted. Watch it. It was. It's like, yeah, you don't get to like self edit reality where like, and then it still didn't end that sad. Like he didn't make it, but like other people did. And it's like, this is what you wanted to do. Jordan's already <laughs> crying. Why have you done this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to show you guys this video real quick. I'm going to share my screen. Oh, my goodness. It's a squirrel for everyone. It's a baby um, squirrel. Listening. He's got a baby squirrel with him in front of his blank easel. And he's feeding him a little baby bottle. <laughs> his friend Diana loaned him this little rascal. And now he's bottle feeding a baby squirrel on air, which first I thought the squirrel's name was Diana. But apparently it's his <laughs> rescue friend that yeah. let him borrow this adorable squirrel. Oh, my God. Oh my god. They'll let you foster baby squirrels in Florida. They'll let you do this and then you give it back when it gets older. My uh ex did it with one named Duke and he used to like crawl around in my hair and stuff and sleep by a little heat lamp. Yeah, so he would I mean even Jordan's okay, we need a second. I'm sorry. Jordan is covered face crying. But Jordan, does it make you sad or is it because it's precious? It's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It is very oh, sweet. Jordan. I love happy you. Happy tears. <laughs> oh. I knew this was going to get Jordan, but I didn't think this much. <laughs> 1907 full blown cry for anyone that's listening. <laughs> Do you want to take a second? 
No. Can I get some water? I'm an adult. No. Okay. <laughs> we can always take a break if you want, Except though. the truth, Jordan. I'm kidding. Jesus. With um, tiny hands. I can't. I can't. The truth is too cute. <sighs> When I was a kid, a family of baby squirrels got pushed out of the nest and my friend and I rescued them and like brought them to, you know, like made their mom call the wildlife people who took them. So like I was also that kind of kid. Like I have definitely a, when I was in Milwaukee once someone because I would I would taxidermy dead birds when I found them. And someone brought me a baby bird and it was still alive. They thought it was dead oh. and it wasn't. And oh, I was God. like, this is still alive. I'm not going to taxidermy it. And I like took it to the wildlife center. <laughs> So I was also this kid. So like, I get it. I identify with this Bob Ross. He was just such a sweet man. He was in many ways a very sweet man. But let's keep going. So (laughs) (laughs) that was so funny, Andrea. People are complicated and sometimes good. Absolutely. No, they are. Do not always great things. Um, In ninth grade, Ross dropped out of school and started working alongside his father as a carpenter. And this is how he lost the tip of his left index finger, which I'm going to share a photo of. So here he's holding a baby robin. It's a baby robin who he also rescued. And you can see he's missing part of his index finger. Um, This never really. What the what? Oh, yeah. By now he was doing very well for himself like oh yeah by the time he's like rescuing baby animals on air he's a full-blown celebrity but we'll talk more about that but yeah he and also that's not the tip that is like half of his index finger yeah it's about right in the middle of the second digit is where he yeah like he lost a freaking knuckle almost dang Yeah, it's pretty intense. But it didn't really, it was his left hand, he's right-handed, so it didn't really impact his ability to hold a palate or do anything else, and it wouldn't even make him unfit for military service later. So he did okay. Don't you use that? Isn't that your trigger finger, depending on what hand you are? (laughs) Right hand, so no, but yeah. How? Oh, okay, okay. But isn't that something that you would think would maybe make you not? (laughs) Yeah, they'd be like, like, hey, bro, like maybe... What if you need to use your left hand to I know, to I get it. People? It's more minor though. Okay, fair enough. Absolutely. <laughs> I um, mean, Django Reinhardt only had uh he had three of his fingers fused together on his left hand and he was like the best guitar player that ever lived. So Oh, I didn't know that. That almost makes you stronger. Yeah. You got like a super finger. <laughs> <laughs> you can really press that's, that those strings. That's down. almost an advantage depending. <laughs> so Some sources say he fathered an illegitimate child at some point in his teens, but I was unable to find a solid source. This is what it said in the Wikipedia article and also at the bottom of a few articles in all caps by commenters. So, like, I don't know how legitimate this claim is. I, I have a feeling it's it's like the the Mr. Rogers had a full body tattoo like the Yakuza. Yeah, I don't I mean like <laughs> a few major news sources will like list this as a byline, but I couldn't find any info about it. Like some people say his name was Bobby Ross or sorry, <sighs> that his name was Bobby, but because 
he was never married to the girl. He has a different last name and was adopted by his stepfather. So like he just didn't have a relationship with that child is what I Mm. found. But again, I couldn't find any like strong corroborating evidence from any of his immediate family. So well, yeah, because if his if his stepfather adopted the kid, then it would still be involved in their life because stepfather would be married to his mom. Right, but Bob is not in that kid's life, is what I'm saying. Oh, do you mean not Bob Ross's stepfather? No, Bob Ross's illegitimate child. Himself. The girlfriend's husband. Yes. Yes. Okay. I misunderstood (laughs) that. I see what you're saying. No, if the kid was adopted by his stepfather, that would be Bob's mom. Sorry. I apologize. I'm still very emotional this is actually a riddle everyone (laughs) (laughs) so in 1961 at age 18 ross enlisted in the u.s air force and rose to the rank of master sergeant and for much of his service he was a drill instructor uh he (laughs) was mostly stationed in alaska although he was stationed in california he did a stint in thailand he kind of went all over but for the most part he was like a drill sergeant so he's just like yelling at people all the time yeah so he made a vow that to himself that after his military duties were over he would never raise his voice again stop yeah it's pretty sweet. It seems like a promise He's he literally kept. against yelling now. <laughs> pretty much. It sounds like from what his son said, his son didn't hear his father raise his voice until he was like near the end of his life. So like what? it sounds like he wow. pretty much just didn't do that. Um, wow. Which is kind of cool and admirable and very like anti-toxic masculinity of the time. So I'm kind of into that. I think that's pretty sweet. Well, it makes me wonder if he was just always, like you said, it's, you know, before it's time in terms of what we hear in pop culture, but also that he just was able to deflect a lot of the stereotypes at the time and be like, no, I was never this person. Like, I'm doing this because it's a job. I've never liked yelling. That's, yeah. a, I don't know. I mean, what do you do with a ninth grade education in the Mm. 60s like you can join Mm -hmm. anyone can join the military it's a way to have Mm -hmm. financial stability and i'm sure he was like you know when you turn 18 you're like yeah i don't super want to hang out with my dad all the time like i want to go do my own thing (laughs) so i'm sure it was sort of an opportunity by any of that to like be in the midst of it and be like oh no when this is over i am done being this intense like i don't like this is so sweet (laughs) think about the communication that that opens up Yes. If you're not I love quick it. to anger, if you're not yelling, there's so much more potential for just communication. My stepmom mm. has a no yelling rule in her house. And before, like, pr- there is like a, for my dad and my dad's ability to communicate, there is a pre-Gale era and a post-Gale era. And like, <laughs> post-Gale is like a better version of my dad. Like, it's okay. just, he's a better person because he... He doesn't yell. There's a rule in the house. Like, if you feel like you need to yell, you go in a separate room and count to 10. And when you are ready to have a discussion, we will have a discussion. And that's it. And if you, like, if you yell at my stepmom, she will walk away. She will not respond to you. That is her boundary. So, like, yeah, it's dope. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's I love awesome. It. Go Gail. Yeah, go Gail. <laughs> Shout out to my stepmom being dope. Um, so in 1965, Ross married his first wife, Vivian Ridge, later Vivian Ross. Um, and in 1966, he had his only legitimate child, Steve Ross. They would divorce in 1977 due to one of Bob's many affairs. And within the same year, he would marry Jane Ross. So throughout his lifetime, Bob is getting frisky with the ladies. He's kind of a ladies man. He always like looks good. He likes fast cars. He drinks scotch. Like he's very much a ladies man. It's he doesn't even he doesn't even have the perm yet. But yes, like. He be fucking. He's getting it in. He absolutely is getting it in. So, you know, that's, for me, that's a tally against. I'm not a huge fan of infidelity, but whatevs. No, Um, absolutely. There's a great documentary about uh, Frank Zappa where they interview his wife. And she was like, he was a rock star. You know, I didn't like it, but you fuck groupies. That's what you do. The thing uh-huh. is, too, is like... I mean, a lot of those wives, I think, came to that, especially back then. It was almost this, like a 50s mentality of like, well, boys will be boys, but like with oh, yeah. way more like, smack. <laughs> at this time, like, think about it, like presidents are cheating on their wives and like congressmen and whatever. But like, it's not really being printed in the press. Like, if you think about Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe like it was rumored ish but no one would really report on it even though it was a very well-known secret because yeah there was this gossipy, idea that like in a gossipy way they would but not absolutely. like the way we did Monica Lewinsky not absolutely like that. well yeah, there's this idea yeah. that like we have to protect these men's reputations it's like no we fucking don't they did it I don't care <laughs> but also at this time he's not even famous yet like he's just a dude in the military being a drill sergeant like he's not even Mm -hmm. to that level um and but i would say like bob always loved painting according to his first wife vicky he would quote sometimes paint till two to three in the clock in the morning get up and go to work the next day so even before he's like this celebrity he's painting all the time and then going to his day job which like hard relate yeah yeah for sure mostly self-taught he did attend some painting classes at the Anchorage USO club but he got frustrated because most of the instructors were only interested in abstract art he said and I quote they tell you what makes a tree but they wouldn't tell you how to paint a tree (laughs) which like when I went to art school hard same like it was really fucking annoying because you have all these teachers that are like i think that really it's about line and form and i'm like okay but like how do you paint a tree though can you show me how (laughs) do you know how i'm starting to think you don't know how to paint a tree the way you're talking i mean this is the time where like fine art there's i think that this time like the 60s and the 70s is where there's this like very large craft revival movement and there's this idea that like craft is this thing that is accessible, like crochet, macrame, pottery, um, jewelry making, all of these like crafts become hobbies and become like seen as art, but not fine art. So it there yeah. you start to have like this art fair versus fine art movement. That's kind of what is part of this time. And I think 
what makes Bob's approach to fine art is he is in so many ways an outsider artist. Like he is part of the craft art movement, the idea that anyone has access to this and anyone can make stuff and making stuff is a valid form of expression. But it's not necessarily like the fine art of conceptualism or abstraction that is lauded in museums and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And in this time, because I mean... We're talking about the seven, like end of the seventies, beginning of the eighties. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we've moved past pop art. We're we've moved into like the comics era. We've moved into, uh, you know, the punk and kind of de-establishing the art scene. You've got, uh, a lot of the um natural artists are coming out and making uh like the the spiral jetty is happening at this time. Um. The minimalists are moving in the 80s. The minimalists are moving into the fine art space. And that's where you get your million dollar box and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. That's kind of like making fun of fine art. So, yeah. Is it like what Bob wants to do is just kind of a square thing right now to people? Uh It's considered lame, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I just... I mean, Bob's beliefs about the world were that divinity exists in the natural world. Like, he wasn't a believer of organized religion, but he was a believer that nature gives us a sense of what God is. And so he felt like a forest is his church, essentially was his religion. And so to him, painting, like the way he talks about art is that painting the natural world is it's a place you can control. It's a form of therapy and healing. It's a form of self-expression, but that like it should be accessible to everyone. And I think that's a really important belief. Yeah. Um, well, and it's that sense of the sublime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and at this time, so he's kind of self-taught. So like he's going to some different art classes. He's not super finding anything that resonates with him, but he's, trying to figure out on his own how to be an artist um in 1978 after returning from a deployment to thailand at the tail end of the vietnam war he switched on the tv to pbs and he saw a man named bill alexander on a show called the magic of painting So using the so-called Alexander technique of wet-on-wet painting, Bill Alexander had pioneered an entirely new style of alla prima painting that allowed him to create a finished landscape painting in less than 30 minutes. Here's a quote from Bob uh, on his first season in The Joy of Painting. It says, quote, It almost made me angry the first time I saw Alexander on TV that he could do in a matter of minutes what it took me days to do. So Bill Alexander was a German immigrant who had been unwillingly conscripted into the Nazi war machine during World War II and served on both the Eastern and Western fronts, witnessing firsthand the brutality of war. After being wounded in action, he found himself in an American POW camp in France, where he ingratiated himself with the officers by painting portraits of them and their families. So the goodwill he earned by painting people's like soldiers families would help him eventually immigrate to Canada and then into the United States by the late 70s Bill had earned an Emmy for the magic of oil painting and had used that small bit of fame to launch his own set of custom magic art supplies 
including paint and palettes, which he would sell at trade shows and market during his traveling classes. This was primarily how he made his living. Now, if this sounds exactly like Bob Ross's techniques, painting style, and business plan, it's because it is. Bob Ross definitely did this dude dirty, but we'll get more into that later. Yeah. No, yeah. and I, I did know about that aspect of things. I did know a little. Yeah, I knew that this man existed. As luck would have it, Bill Alexander was teaching a workshop just an hour away from Bob's post. Ross attended the workshop and became a changed man. Shortly after the workshop, he was deployed to Fairbanks, Alaska, where he served as a medical records technician at the Ellison Air Force Base. This is where he first saw the snow-capped mountains that so often appear in his paintings and where his need to create reached a fever pitch. This is a direct quote from the Daily Beast article I read, which we'll talk about at the end, but I will say this Daily Beast article is probably one of the best written articles I have ever read. Um, it is oh. more in-depth even than the documentary in terms of its research. So highly recommend. And we'll talk, of, you okay. know, of course, we'll mention that in the sources. Uh, this is the quote from the Daily Beast article. He sketched greeting cards. He donated paintings for fundraisers and visiting dignitaries. He developed an entire venture around landscape paintings on gold pants, precisely the Alaskan-themed keepsake that sold like hotcakes to tourists and locals alike. So here's an image of one of his gold pans. Wow. So it's like peak kitsch. It is. He's like yeah. a, a old mining gold pan. He has painted on velvet an aurora borealis with some mountains and some snow-covered trees and a little cabin. There's even like some gold glitter in here because it's like a gold pan, quote unquote. And he would sell these to tourists for like $25, which, you know, in the 70s ain't nothing. Yeah, you don't expect just because you've seen, I mean, most of what we're familiar with is the you know, uh, Bob Ross, the height of his career paintings. So you don't yeah. expect this yeah. level of, I don't want to be mean, but I can't think of how else to say it. Technical inability. Yeah. It's pretty rudimentary. That's not mean. <laughs> he straight up was like wanting to learn. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. would, he would be more technically proficient if he had the tools. So that's like real. <laughs> Well, and at this time, he's saying, like, a lot of the articles I read say he would, like, he had, like, an hour lunch break. So he'd come home for lunch, make a couple paintings, and leave. So some of these were done wow. in, like, 15 or 20 minutes. Wow. Okay. Okay, but, okay so two questions. Um, one, 25 bucks in the 70s is, what, like, 100 bucks each, maybe? Oh, I have no idea. That's, like, up. we 100% guessing. I love guessing, the inflation but I wonder how questions. Just... Jordan's on the Google. And then also... How many gold pans were gold pans just like stacked up at Goodwills or something? How do you have so many gold pans to paint? I think you what could buy them this? as tourist keepsakes. This is 1970. Oh, and then er, paint them. Sorry, down, 1978, down, down. let's say. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I was like, where is he finding all these gold pans? It looks like if you didn't know what it was, it looks kind of like he painted the center of some sort of like record or something looking at this flat image and you would or, what, hang it on a wall or something it has the vibes of commemorative plates to me yes 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 it's a so that's what it's six dollars and 90 cents oh nice yeah so if you're making a hundred bucks over your lunch break like that's pretty solid yeah and yeah, if you're painting that, that's pretty if you're dope. doing this in 15 minutes and painting multiple right. on your lunch break a hundred bucks in 15 minutes. That's some great, that's a great rate hourly. 
<laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, as soon as he retired from the military in 1981, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. Apprentice under Bill Alexander and become a certified art instructor, traveling, painting, and teaching. I made a deal with my wife, he later said to the Orlando Sentinel. I asked for one year. If I ran out of money before that, I'd get a real job and we'd act like normal people. I never went home. <gasps> so he kind of just leaves his Wait, son. At, uh, I never went home? I mean, what he means is like, I, I mean, it kind of. Out? He was, it worked out. But like, this is such a complicated thing because when you read about it, what really irritates me is like when you read about it, it's like Bob Ross was a single dad raising his son on his own. It's like, no, he immediately oh. married a new woman and then oh. fucked off and left his kid with that lady. Like, right. Oh, he married someone to watch his kid because he was like, if this works out later. Yeah, he Oof wasn't that. ever a single dad. He wasn't ever alone. Like, that yeah. concept was really frustrating for me to read as a woman because I'm like, yeah, no, he wasn't traveling around the country and also raising his son. Like, his son saw him a few months a year and was, like, with his stepmom the whole time. Oh. Wow. Like, he, wait, was, so he took the kid from mom? Yeah, he got custody his of his son. Oh, no. It didn't explain okay. why, but it's yeah. but he had custody. Yeah, and it's also, like, he was also having, while he's, like, fucking off around the country, he's, like, also sleeping with women a lot. Uh, he's not yeah. being super faithful to his wife, so, like... I'm shocked he didn't Yeah, have like, more he kids. refused to yell after the military, but he would still make that pussy scream. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, isolate that audio. Um... <laughs> I scream, you scream, we all scream when Bob Ross is in town. Okay. Oh, oh my Girl, gosh. I'm getting Andrea. what he's talking about. Beat the devil out of it. <laughs> this brush is getting wet, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> he was beating brushes and cheeks. <laughs> wet on wet. Oh my God. Mm. We're gross, you guys. We are. Holy I like hey, how it set me up. I was like, "Oh, is our podcast marked explicit?" Yeah, yeah. Also, Jordan totally, trying to make yeah. me feel weird. I was like, "Yeah, I've definitely heard something in every episode that's like, yeah, that's the one that made this explicit." <laughs> Fully, this. Yeah, um, we're emotionally explicit just for crying alone. It's like, but like, kids can't. You got to be uh, ready for this shit. <laughs> So after months of manual labor, mixing and packaging paint at Bill's studio, Bob headed out as one of Bill's traveling master apprentices. So at this time, he only had two like master apprentices. And a big part of this is like, he's just one man. He's filming his TV show, The Magic of Painting. Um, in order to continue to spread this technique, he needs people to continue teaching his classes and spreading these methods. And of course, like the class itself was like 20 bucks. It wasn't super expensive, but where he really made his money was in selling these custom art supplies that his company created. So of course you go take the class and then you're like, here's what you'll need. And you buy the whole yeah. supply kit. Same scam as art school. Like if you went to art school and they're like, here's a list of the supplies you'll need. And then you only use half of them, but you bought everything at Blick. Like same kind of concept. That's really where the money is. 
Um, okay. And so Which, like, at this point, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I just I just wish that the world still worked like that, where I could like, hey, I'm an, a master apprentice to this painter, and now I make and sell his art supplies. Can I, is that an MLM that we can get started? Or like, is it only skinny tea now? Like our Avon? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, is that what you want? So Bob didn't get a cut of those art supplies though. So it wasn't an MLM. Bill mm. Alexander got all of the money from the art supplies Bob got paid essentially a flat rate to teach the classes. So the class fees were what he generally garnered. And then the reason that Bill Alexander would like promote his stuff and you'll see, here's like an ad I'll show you. But also this totally makes sense. Is Bill older? Yes. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a world war two veteran older and being like, I'm making my money off. The the art supplies now exactly yes. so you can see like he it's william alexander okay. presents bob ross and there's this oh. idea that he's sort of like passing on his legacy and he's doing this of course because there remains to be a financial incentive jordan are you okay yes I'm what fine. happened it's just so sweet i just the picture Yes. Oh, I was literally trying to figure out what it was. Okay, okay, okay. Oh Oh, man, experience the joy of painting with Bob Ross, and look at—they're friends. Look at them being friends. No, I do like seeing that they. Even the idea that you would see someone on TV and then get to be like, "Yeah, I teach this guy's classes now." Yeah, I mean that is kind of his dream, and like. That is definitely what he wanted out of it. But I'm going to show you something. And I think this will highlight what I mean when I say like, when I say Bob Ross copied Bill Alexander, I mean like he, it is exactly identical. And I want to show you guys a Bob Ross next to a William Alexander. Mm, Because I was thinking even copy in terms of his format and what he went to do. But you mean his style also. Like every little detail. Wow. Yeah. So look at these two paintings side by side. They are clouds, mountainscapes, trees, a little cabin. Now, notice even the way that they are signed is in red on the left-hand corner of the canvas. Oh my gosh, the signature, yeah. yeah. It is clearly, like, he is moment for moment copying William Alexander, which, of course, at this time, William Alexander is loving this because he's like, great, you're my protege, I want you to have this, but also, I'm making money off this. Like, you're copying me, but you are giving me credit, you are spreading my methods, you are selling my art supplies, and I am still getting rich, even though you're copying me. So, like, at this Mm. time... William Alexander is supporting Bob Ross in every imaginable way. Um, Okay, because, but you think he's cool with it because he is still profiting off the plagiarism? Absolutely. Because he's, because I will say, because he's saying, like, look what you can achieve. I will say Bob's trees in this side by side look a little bit more wintry, like his painting looks more realistic, but. I disagree. I think that William Alexander shows a higher level of technical proficiency than Bob Ross. 
And I think that if you Google Bob Ross versus Bill Alexander, like if you look at those paintings side by side, Bill Alexander's are more realistic and more technically proficient overall. They are, yeah. Um, I feel like you can tell the painting is done better, but his trees look like a different time of year, but maybe not. But that's what I was saying. Yeah, this is a summer scene and this is a winter scene. Yeah, like I feel like he's doing something different and that Bob used to be like, we are making a whole very realistic picture of a place I've been before, whether or not he's been there before or not, maybe. Well, I mean... But Alexander's is a better painting? Yeah, I couldn't find a side-by-side of like the exact same scene. Um, But obviously, Uh like all of the elements are present. The style of painting is the same. The composition is the same. And, you know, it's not to say that Bob Ross was looking at a Bill Alexander painting while he was doing his paintings, but I'm sure he did at some point, which is how he learned, uh, because that's the method that he teaches is like, you paint along with me. That's how Bill Alexander taught his methods. That's how Bob Ross taught his students as well. So like at some point he was just copying Bill Alexander and then he started creating his own compositions, but in the exact same style. Yeah, and I I won't like devil's advocate too much in this episode, but it is kind of the old master's apprenticeship style. Like that is, if you look, there's, you know, there's a hundred versions of an exact copy of uh, The Last Supper because that's how people Mm. learn is you just paint in that style. And at a and time, I will say in terms of proficiency, Alexander's looks almost like it's in HD. Like that's how yeah. yes. much sharper yeah. the yeah. detail looks and stuff. So I get it. Well, and so at the time, Jordan, of like old masters, right? Like the product you're selling is the painting itself. And yes. so for a business model where the product is a direct result of your own labor, even when you're doing a copy... It, you, you can only do so many paintings, you know? So, like, yeah. if you're a master, eventually someone's got to pay your your apprentice and that might be cheaper for them to do a copy of a piece you've done. But, like, you can't do all that work yourself. But in yeah. this business model, the product is the supplies. And so that doesn't hold up. As long as Bob Ross is still still selling Bill Alexander's art supplies – he's still making money, this is fine. It's yeah. when that ends that this starts to become a problem. Um, yeah. Oh. So by this point, you know, Bob Ross can paint Bill Alexander almost as well as Bill Alexander can paint Bill Alexander. Uh, but I would say what he's starting to do when he's a traveling instructor is he's starting to talk the way that Bill Alexander talks. So this is a video mm. I'm going to show you here. This is the, oh, here we go. Sorry, this is the part. I've like, I had it like so perfectly queued up and then. queued up. Uh-huh. But see how he's saying like the happy red and here's happy flowers on the field. Mm. And even that language, like Bob Ross, th- those phrases that we think of as Bob Ross staples, the happy yes. little trees, they come from yeah. Bill yeah. Alexander. He was doing it first. And so, like, when I say he is a copy, it's so exact, it's hurtful. (laughs) 
Like, <laughs> but I can also see because of the other things you told us about his philosophy, him being like, oh, well, this like perfectly aligns with what I do actually believe and like Absolutely. feel more justified in stealing it. <laughs> well, I think that Bill Alexander and Bob Ross both shared similar ideas about nature and about their place in the world. Like something Bill okay. Alexander would say a lot is that like you can't have light without the dark because then you wouldn't have a painting like you would it would be all one or the other. Mm. And that's something Bob yeah. Ross would say all the time as well. And I think those ideas do align with their personal philosophies. So like I don't think it's insincere but I just think that like the way it was handled was kind of messed up. So all of this like happy little language, like all of that sort of vernacular that we think of as uniquely Bob Ross, most of it does come from William Alexander. But the ways that they differ are William Alexander. It's hard to hear because the videos I'm showing you were using the closed caption, but he has this like thick Bavarian accent he's like this short he looks like a little linebacker with sausage fingers like he looks like a little like gremlin man a little bit he's older whereas like Bob Ross is this like tall all-american I wear jeans and a button-up like I have like this little fro and he speaks in this like calm kind of sexy voice that's very yeah. mellow and very open I mean you can see why you would end up marrying him and then get stuck with his child from another marriage absolutely stuck with i'm sure it's a very wonderful child but you know what i mean <laughs> i mean that's why we call him a zaddy because like he was putting it down but like that is what was different and i do think that part of the reason that we remember bob ross as like this legacy and not william alexander is because william alexander was an immigrant like bob ross appealed to this all-american middle of the country like mom's painting in their spare time like audience in a way that bill yeah. alexander didn't like he was kind of loud and bombastic and was like let's do this and like whatever but also generally americans aren't super cultured and we don't like people with accents and we can be pretty shitty to them especially during this time so like i do think a huge part of it is just that bob ross was this all-american dude yeah so <laughs> this uh, sort of like calm, mellow version of Bob Ross resonates with the mostly female students as well. And one of those female students was a lady named Annette Kowalski. After her 25-year-old son tragically died in a car accident, Annette Kowalski became consumed by grief, and all she could do was lay on the couch and watch TV. Jordan's eyes are so big. Please don't cry yet. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm mostly just concerned that this is going to be a... I'm just, I'm so upset and worried waiting for, and then Bob Ross had a cult full of a harem of other people's wives, and I just am, like, very concerned. Oh, you anticipating how bad it's going to get? Yes, because I have no idea. What is I don't celebrity but a cult? I mean, kind of. It kind of no, is. That's, like, if that's Usher fair. started a cult, we'd be like, yeah. I mean, like, R. Kelly did, so. Also, it's Jordan like, Leto almost did, didn't he? I Should think he Jordan kind of has Leto? one. Yeah. Jared Leto? Jared Leto. I was making Jared Leto and Jordan Catalano, who he played on my so-called life and I was in love with. That's, I bet that's where that came from. Oh, my gosh. Jared Catalano, 
rock star and cult leader. I'm just like making up people now. <laughs> um, but I was gonna sorry, ask, but yeah, Jared Leto. What time is this? And did Quaaludes have anything to do with why we liked? Soft, calm, quiet Bob Ross's voice at the time. Mm. There is no, like, from what I found, there are no allegations of sexual assault with Bob Ross. It seems like all these ladies were willing oh, participants. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't even mean, like, that. I didn't mean a Cosby situation. I meant, like, is America at large at this time doing quaaludes? Is that why we're like, Bob Ross has such a calm voice? I mean, I don't know if it's quaaludes, but pot for sure. Like, I'm sure yeah. as as today, people are getting high and watching Bob Ross and like it's calming. It's soothing. Um, another thing is at the time, there's a book called The Joy of Sex. And like yes. when Bob Ross starts his own show, The Joy of Painting, it is that language is deliberate. Uh because it's this very popular book it's the idea that you should take joy in the present and it's sort of like a sexual philosophy that he carries into painting so i would say that like his voice is sensual the way he talks about art making is similar to the act of love making like he'll be like oh you got to make love to the tree or whatever so there is sort of a sensuality to how he talks about art yeah this is like softcore it is a little soft core. It's a little, it's a little that. Uh, it's soft like those brushes. Oh, yes. So soft. <laughs> anyway, so Annette Kowalski uh, was real sad. She's watching TV. She's super bummed out. She can't move. And that's where she, like Bob Ross before her, first became enchanted by Bill Alexander, his beautiful paintings, and the optimistic sunlit world he created. So seeing his wife suddenly interested in something after sitting in depression so long, Walt Kowalski found a workshop in Clearwater, Florida with one of Alexander's apprentices, Bob Ross. And together they drove the 1,000 miles to meet him. Whoa. Wow. But also this is beautiful. See, Jordan? It's kind of sweet. It's kind, he's yeah. like, look, my wife is real sad. I want her to yeah. not be sad. Let's drive 1,000 miles. So there they found Bob Ross, a simple man of 40 wearing jeans and a plain colored shirt with a smaller, more demure version of the expansive permed afro that would later become his trademark. And this is what she said, quote, I was so mesmerized by Bob, she explained to NPR. Somehow he lifted me up out of that depression. I just think that Bob knew how to woo people. I said, let's put it in a bottle and sell it. And that's where we'll pick up next week with Bob Ross part two. Oh, wow. Okay, so basically this woman got pulled out of a depression and was immediately like, this is a brand. Pretty much, yeah. And okay, it's we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more next week. But like the Kowalskis had five kids, one of which tragically died. It was actually their eldest son who died, which I think... Mm. I mean, not saying like moms have favorites or whatever, but I think that do. especially during this time, there's something about like your eldest son dying because the idea is that like oh they're the one to gosh. carry on your Are legacy. You kidding me? Can you um? And this is me being as like someone who has dated first sons, and I mean this in like a loving way, but it's gonna sound sarcastic. Like, 
the idea of someone losing their first son, you would never hear the end of it from that mom. Like yes. they talk yeah. about their first sons, like they're made of actual gold. Yeah. That absolutely devastated her. Like the rest of the kids were like, I mean, I breathe every day. Like I'm not getting <laughs> any kind of like, geez, mom. A lot of us are still here. Like I can imagine they were. Yeah. Crushed. Well, there's a, there's a special weird thing too about like, the parentification of eldest children that I think goes into yes. this where like especially older sons will sometimes take a weird relationship with their mothers because they become this like masculine force that continues to support a mom who might have a husband who's not around all the time and like they're yep. doing some emotional and labor so there's so, like, at least some period where it was just you and him yeah. Like hanging out, doing stuff, yes against the world, like that kind yeah. of thing with any kind of first kid, but especially a son and a mother, just like that dynamic is a special thing from the secondhand experience that I've had Absolutely. to hear about at many Thanksgiving dinners. Not saying they like, let's... love their first sons. <laughs> it's your first baby too. Like that just changes the yes. yes. world this, Jordan's completely. doing it right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> Your first baby. You're doing it right now. Your first baby. It's your first baby. baby. I get it. I'm not doing anything about first babies. I want to make it very clear because my mom listens to this podcast and she's been asking a lot of questions about when she's getting another grand. That's so funny. <laughs> There's no first babies. <laughs> no, I meant you were doing it as in um, emoting with your eyes and face the like, <laughs> Of like, my baby. I could my see it baby. in your face. You were doing it. You were having like, you know, <laughs> you were feeling the connection empathetically. Imp That's not a word. Empathetically? Empathetically? You know <laughs> Can you use empathetically like that though? I know that's a word. You oh, were yeah. doing it empathetically. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's like feeling the feelings as if she had an imaginary firstborn baby. <laughs> You know, I think that this little egg that I've been holding the entire time that we've been. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Andrea. A bummer a little bit. But like, I don't know. This episode is. But it's not is... that much of a bummer as much as it's just not perfect, which is yeah. fine. You haven't yeah. said anything Absolutely. particularly. You know what I mean? Something that somebody wouldn't potentially have to say about their dad and be like, I mean, I still love him. He didn't do stuff perfect, but you know what I mean? For real. Absolutely. Like he hasn't yeah. done anything particularly gnarly yet. I was like, especially seeing the way we can see artists be, um, how you can see artists react to see being that close to a mentor or so. Can you imagine if Frank Lloyd Wright would have had that kind of access to someone that he saw and admired? Like, get out of here. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, Frank Lloyd Wright did in some respects with Lewis Sullivan, but like Frank Lloyd Wright loved Frank Lloyd Wright more than anyone. So like, I don't think he had That's the That's what I mean. Like Bob is still being like, not the worst we've heard. <laughs> Absolutely. I do think yeah, Bob Ross was an empathetic person and we'll sort of see how he, that, I, I'm not saying he's not empathetic, but I think he does some things that I would think are like for my own sensibilities are like kind of messed up but also if i was in his position mm. i don't know if i would not make the same choice so like mm. i don't know man interesting it's a tough call. i am so excited for the what is it moral dilemmas that await the us in dilemmas. the next episode that's what we'll call part two moral dilemma the bob ross story 
Thank you so much for that, Andrea. That was awesome. I cannot wait for the next one. Um, if you all want to follow us to make sure that you never miss another episode, um, follow us on Instagram and or Twitter at Pavantgarde, P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E. Um, or you can also find our Facebook page if you put that in the search, our Facebook. Is it a page or a group? A page it's a Facebook where we group. share it's a group. and post a group um, about things and, a great, and it's great. And then there will also be a link to our Patreon in the description of this episode. Hell yeah, dude. And if you um, like me as a person, I'm Katrina. I am the insensitive one that forces people <laughs> to watch Natural Death. Um, you can follow me at Katrina Savad, K-A-T-R-I-N-A. I don't know why I never spelled that part before. S-I-V-A-D. <laughs> it's just Davis backwards on all of the things where you follow people. Hell yeah, dude. Um, and if you want to send us any sort of Bob Ross landscape replica that you have done in your spare time, you can send that to us in its physical form to 1001 Fremont Avenue, South Pasadena, California, uh, 91030, and that's P.O. Box number 366. So go ahead and send us some shit. So far, we've only gotten mail from someone that was in box 367 so <laughs> it's going great <laughs> i went Send to check i was like stuff. oh i've never checked this ah uh, amazing it's pretty funny <laughs> hey now everybody who came over from uh this is not a show send us some mail y'all are really involved oh yeah Please don't send us a baldo, though. I don't need it. We're I fine. already have one. We're we don't all... need any more. <laughs> we're all good here. Uh, we're all fine. <laughs> Please don't send us that. But I guess, I don't know. I almost said don't send us a bimbo, but that's the bread. <laughs> I already forgot what it was called. You can send us small bimbo crackers and cookies if you would like. <laughs> snacks are always appreciated. I'm a huge fan of snacks. <laughs> Um, and if you like me as a human person individually, a quick announcement. I will have my first ever solo show opening April 9th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at VAR Gallery. So if you want to come say hi, I'll be there. Uh, put it in your calendars. Set an alarm on your phone. Come check it out. And also the month of February for my personal Patreon, uh, I have Pokemon stickers. So if you want to join the Patreon club, you can win a sticker. If you join the higher tiers, you can get possibly the original painting so it's pretty cute there's a ice vulpix and a fire vulpix kissing and it's super adorable um if you want to see my art check me out at andrea gazette on instagram andreagazetta.com whatever you got it yay check out hell yeah dude check out that Vargali. they do a virtual tour as well if you can't make it to milwaukee yes yes and i'm gonna have i just got word literally yesterday that the giant sculpture I want to make is within my budget and that the gallery owner is going to help me pay for a portion of it. So so exciting. There's going to be a giant ass sculpture and I'm so fucking excited. (laughs) That's wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh my God. Small victories. Yeah. Now I just have to make it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Oh dude, for <laughs> real. Um if you like me, 
I'm Jordan Lee Williams, and I am on Instagram, and that's it. Uh, you can find my personal page is The Goonie Bird. My art page is Goonie Bird Crafts. That's also my Etsy. Um, I've got some cowboy boots coming to the Etsy shop uh, if you like fun earrings. What? And yeah, I made little I'm excited. Uh, hand carved cowboy boots. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, thank you guys for for hanging out with us and you know putting up with my emotional roller coaster of a day. I love your emotional roller coaster. It's adorable. <laughs> thanks for crying with us today, everyone. Yeah, thanks for. <laughs> we'll call this episode Sob Ross. <laughs> for jordan <Nice. laughs> thank you all so much for listening and yeah. we love you we love you bye bye guys Hey everybody, Andrea here. Uh, as usual, I forgot to list the sources at the end of the episode, so here they are. Um, the first source for today is the Netflix documentary, Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. Another major article that I used for this was the article, Deceit and Scandal, The Ugly War Over Bob Ross's Ghost. This was in the Daily Beast, and it was written by Alston Ramsey in May of 2021. This is another, I would say, one of the primary sources for today's episode. Um, I also used Wikipedia's entry on Bob Ross uh, to great effect, just to kind of get an overview of some of his life. Um, before they were happy trees, there were gold pans, Alaska's news source, Eric Sal, April 2018. I use the military.com article, Famous Veterans, Bob Ross. There is a New York Times article in their television section from 1992 called Bob Ross, the Frugal Gourmet of Painting. That was in New York Times, written by Alessandra Stanley, and that's where we get the young men commenting on Bob Ross's place in the art world, which I think is very funny. The work of beloved TV artist Bob Ross is finally being recognized in an exhibition. That's a CNN.com article written by Jacob Prisco in September of 2019. There is an article in the CBC.CalArts uh, section, and it's called It's the World's Biggest Museum Exhibition of Bob Ross Paintings. So how'd it wind up in British Columbia? That was written by Aaliyah Collins in 2020. There's an artsy.net article called Bob Ross Owes His Happy Trees to the Forgotten Painter. Uh, that's written by Alexa Goddard in June of 2018. And there's a video of Bob Ross feeding a baby squirrel peapod that is on YouTube. Uh, and those are the sources for today. So I hope you guys like the episode. Thank you so much. Bye. Andrea here. Um, I'm asking for your help a little bit today because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound. And because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, we had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings, and we're working on getting those sorted out. Um, and 
part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash podvantgard. And our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um, we're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. Um, and as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering art, uh, like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now, um, especially around NFTs, especially around AI. And I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content. Um, I would also say that in terms of the time cost, you know, Katrina, Jordan, and I all are supporting ourselves outside of this show. This show takes a lot of time. I'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching. We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is is just that it can become something that, you know, we're not looking to get rich. I don't think that's ever been our goal. I don't think we ever think that could be our goal. But what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show. My experience uh, with Cult Podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys <laughs>